0: Today is day five of our autumn seven-day session, 10th of May 2018, and we're going to um, return to our our text, um, Cultivating the Empty Field, the Silent Illumination of Zen Master Hongzhou, translated by Taigan Daniel Layton with Yi Wu. And uh, we're just going to finish off the passage that we were reading yesterday. We ran out of time, we didn't quite get to the to the end of exploring it the passage was entitled um, face everything, let go and attain stability and um, it's the final um, few sentences facing everything let go and attain stability stay with that just as that stay with this just as this that and this are mixed together with no discriminations as to their places so it is said that the earth lifts up the mountain and with the earth lifts up up the mountain without knowing the mountain's stark steepness a rock contains jade without knowing The jade's flawlessness. This is how truly to leave home, how home leaving must be embodied. So, this um, last part is about after one has attained stability, realization, in other words. Hongzhou says, stay with this, that just as that, stay with this, just as this. Um, Master Sheng Yin's uh, book actually um, comments on this passage. He says, to help someone appropriately a bodhisattva identifies with people and adapts to their circumstances. That's the staying with that just as that, staying with this just as this. To suit different situation the bodhisattva adapts completely to those circumstances. In order that sentient beings may derive help the bodhisattva becomes like them In this manner, the Buddha was reborn in human form to help human beings. To accomplish a certain mission, a spy could mingle with the enemy, adapting to his way of life. He can be so good at it that the enemy thinks he's one of them, so he gains their trust. Getting all the information he needs, he helps to accomplish the mission. One difference here is that the Bodhisattva is helping people while helping people, while the spy is de- deceiving the enemy, but the point here, the point here really is that the the enlightened person doesn't um, have to stand out. He continues a bit later. An enlightened person who is free from self-reference has no agenda. We are not talking about any enlightened person, but a thoroughly enlightened bodhisattva, so a very lofty stage of development. According to circumstances, such a bodhisattva will deliver sentient beings without having any notion of doing so. Without having any notion of doing so. In our passage, it says, "So it is said that the earth lifts up the mountain without knowing the mountain's stark steepness. A rock contains jade without knowing the jade's flawlessness." A um, enlightened person doesn't doesn't um, act self-consciously. And in, in, in this selfless responding, responding, doesn't need to draw attention to herself or himself. Um, Yamada Koen Roshi, um, Eken Roshi's main teacher, uh, would say, nothing distinguishes the enlightened person. Um, Roshi, Roshi Kaplow used to tell a story um, of how one time uh, the night before a workshop uh, at the centre, it was quite late and one of the work th- workshop participants arrived late and uh, the door was already locked so he rang the doorbell and um, it was a Friday night probably most people weren't, weren't around or they were sleeping um, but um, Roshi heard the heard the doorbell after it had been rung a few times so he he headed out shuffled to the door and opened it and let the person in and and then thought no more of it um but the next morning during the workshop this person came up to him and said and said i had no idea you were roshi kaplow when you let me in last night i thought you were the janitor And And Roshi used to t- tell tell this story as as um, uh, taking this as a compliment. just, just um, completely ordinary, completely ordinary person. Um, master Shang-Yin in his uh, The Method of No Method tells tells a, uh, a story along similar lines and this is a story told about the great modern Chan master Shu uh, Yun this uh, extraordinary uh, teacher who lived to be uh, 120 died in 1959 and apparently there was a um, a high Chinese official who wanted to pay his respects uh, to Shuyun who was living on a mountain at the time and um, this official came along and uh, reached the bottom of the the mountain where the temple was and he saw an old guy, an old monk, spreading manure on a vegetable patch and so he went up and demanded that the old monk give him uh, directions to how to get to the top of the, the mountain so he could visit the, the Chan master. And the old monk said to him, Oh, why do you want to see him? Don't you know? He's a very famous master. I want to pay my respects to him. Oh, that fella. Don't bother. It's not worth the trip. He's nothing. How dare you say that about a famous Chan master? Look at you in your filthy manure well, if you want to see him, that's none of my business. The path to the mountain is that way. And you can guess. You can guess the end of the story. When the official reached the temple, he um, uh, demanded that um, he be given a, an audience with the master. And one of the monks said, oh, he's down the mountain spreading manure in the garden. And the chagrined official then hurried back down the mountain path, and prostrated himself before Shuyin, um, right there on the veggie garden, uh, in the midst of the manure, and um, was very he was very embarrassed that he hadn't recognized the guy. Um, Shunyin comments: So if you see an old monk hauling a bucket of manure, please pay some respect. But the, the, the important point here is that um, you can't, you can't um, tell necessarily an enlightened person by their, their appearance, just as you can't uh, tell which rock contains greenstone by looking at it from the outside. Sheng Yin writes, thus there's a saying, with one, with one with great wisdom is like a great fool, Com- completely without airs and graces, completely without self-importance. In some temples there is a huge bell with a suspended log next to it, which acts as a clapper. Some fool might go around saying, I don't hear anything, that bell is useless. But a person with great strength swings the log and strikes the bell, which resonates with this wonderful ringing. Thus it can be said, a great tolling gives a great sound, a mediocre tolling gives a mediocre sound, and no tolling gives no sound. So in other words, what you, what you um, perceive is dependent on how you encounter somebody. If, if your own attitude is a, a mediocre one, then that's what you'll see, that's what you'll experience. And as, as we were mentioning yesterday um, we can we can also understand this this um, egoless functioning um, in ourselves right now there's so much in us that that works beautifully uh, without the uh, the involvement of our ego consciousness without uh Our will being engaged, Uh, so many um, processes in the body, digestion, um, the breath. We breathe beautifully when deeply asleep. Or our immune system. Incredibly complex processes going on of uh, which we're com- completely unaware, almost completely. And all these processes can actually be adversely affected by our thinking mind. We can, we can worry ourselves into, into poor gi- digestion or, or um, come short of breath if we're very angry. and um, similarly with the immune system if we if we're very stressed then our immune system becomes weakened so um, we could we could understand our practice as being Uh, Learning to get out of the way so that things can function freely. And attainment, uh, realization as being having got out of the way to one degree or another. Their passage ends, this is how truly to leave home, how home-leaving must be embodied. In other words, through this this unselfconscious responsiveness. And, um, of course, um, talking about leaving home, he's he's most likely addressing his teaching to uh, monks and nuns who were often referred to as home leavers because they left home to um, become homeless monks and nuns into the monasteries but really we can take it we can take it as his addressing any serious practitioner Um, because serious practice involves sooner or later Our um, leaving home in the sense of leaving our uh, little defended citadel that we call uh, the self, the small self. That we leave home in order to discover that we can be at home anywhere. That a home is anywhere we are. And that, and that being at home is an attitude. it's it's a place where our uh, we let down our, our defences where we where we can be fully ourselves or fully our no-selves flowing adapting to circumstances, responding to needs. The next passage, um, which also appears in Cultivating the Empty Field, but we're going to um, look at at it at uh, Master Yin's translation of it, and some of his commentary. Um, it's headed up um, cultivating the mind field, and um, I've chosen this particular one because um, it continues to explore um, how it how a realized person acts in, in the world and um, just read it <clears throat> read the passage first robe monks should wither away and freeze the deluded thoughts of mind and rest from remnant conditioning single-mindedly restore and cultivate this field directly cut down all the overgrown grass no 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 this is the wrong one i'm sorry i want one about the ox sorry here we are um, the ox mind is free from fetters when you tug and pull back this ox mind by the nose it will naturally come alive and be imposing. Being quite unusual and outstanding, it mingles with others along the pathway without damaging people's sprouts and grain. Thriving and dynamic, the ox effortlessly responds to circumstances. Responding to circumstances without artificiality, it thrives and is free-flowing. Not fixed to any set place, it is free from fetters, this is the place where the ox ploughs through the field of the empty kalpa so um the first thing to to understand in this passage is um what who and what the fox is the ox is um In Zen, um, ox appears a lot in different koans, um, and uh, also in the famous series of pictures called the ox herding pictures, uh, ten that depict sort of ten stages in, in our in our spiritual practice. And the ox uh, represents our, our our wayward mind but at the same time it represents our buddha nature it's it's the same ox all the way through from from ignorance to enlightenment so in the in the ox herding pictures it starts off with um this guy glimpsing just the footprints of the ox it's like learning about the ox's existence by seeing its footprints He um, reports of the ox, you could say, evidence of the ox. But then um, the ox is actually seen for the first time and then uh, tethered, then trained, then ridden. And eventually the ox uh, disappears in the final pictures. And again, this is this is a way of, of uh depicting how it becomes our, our functioning the functioning of our mind becomes unself conscious. the last and the most the most uh, evolved stage in these pictures is is called entering the marketplace with helping hands and it just depicts this person with a big sack a smile on his face pot belly Just um, walking through the streets, ordinary, nothing special. Entering the marketplace with helping hands. That word marketplace is a pretty fraught one for us now. We live in, in an environment which Um, many people see only through the filter of the idea of the market in in which a huge amount of human effort goes into um, trying to find ways to monetize everything, to turn it into something that can be sold, whatever it is. So a big question for us is how, to, how do we live and act in an environment that is corrupt and can be corrupting and not be corrupted? How do we do that? How can we live in a polluted world and not be polluted? Well, the the the, te- the teaching of Buddhism would be would sum that up in one word, and and say selflessness. That's where we where things get sticky, when there's there's a self that we're um, acting out of. But what does what does selflessness look like? Well, Hangzhou here. Um, in his in, in using this this image of an ox, he he um, describes this. Master Hsingian says, "Hongzhou says that the mind of the practitioner is like an ox. Even though young and tame, this ox mind is not subdued or ordinary. It is powerful, with sharp, imposing horns. But it has some good qualities, being very vigorous and courageous. The Chinese say a young ox is not even afraid of a tiger. Another good quality of the ox is that even though it mingles with other beasts on the path, it does not step into and ruin people's crops. The ox gets along with everyone without causing trouble to others. This ox symbolizes the newly enlightened person. So here in this text, um, this is somebody who's just um, had some awakening, Kensho. Being reborn, so to speak, he is very lively and very powerful. Although still young, he stands out among others. While mingling with others, he does not cause vexations and problems for others. This is what is meant by the ox is not damaging people's sprouts and grain. So in the newness of his awareness here, he's he's kind of raw. He is still standing out, not mellow and mingling in but with this, this uh, raw quality, but with enough wisdom not to damage people's sprouts and grain. You think of um, all the damage that is done when uh, people try to do good without wisdom. It's that, that phrase, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. just um uh, just a little bit more about this this ox um, as a as a um, a a mode of being that we can aspire to um, in terms of how we we um, live and work in the world, I have to remember um, the the role that the ox, um, that is to say the water buffalo in parts of China, um, played in, in Chinese society for millennia. Um, this, this beast of burden who was so important in the, in the economy of the of the, um, of the land, uh, pulling the plow uh, um, and um, carrying heavy loads, so important. So really, a, a a a creature who who took on the the the, the difficult tasks, who bore the loads that needed to be born so going back to the Hung text when you tug and pull back this ox mind by the nose it will naturally become alive come alive and be imposing so um, rather inhumanely the ring used to be put in the in the ox's nose and that would be where the rope would be tied that would you lead the ox with but here this image is is um, an image of our training when you tug and pull back this ox mind by the nose it will naturally come alive and be imposing if we discipline our mind if we if we undertake this this task of of um, Taming this uh, unruly mind of ours, then it becomes something incredibly powerful. This enormous amount of energy. You can imagine how how um, revered this the ox was in terms of its um, uh, power to move heavy objects and and plough fields. There wasn't anything else around that could do this the way the ox could. It was really a friend of human beings, an ally, a faithful uh, worker. Thriving and dynamic, the ox effortlessly responds to circumstances. Responding to circumstances without artificiality, it, sh- it thrives and is free-flowing. Not fixed to any set pace, it is free from fetters. Um, again, this is, this is uh, describing um, a, a, a well-trained ox mind. That has um, freed itself from uh, greed, anger, ignorance—all the—all the things that snag us. Zheng Yin continues. Dr. Albert Schweitzer gave up fame as a musician to become a doctor in a small African village that was rife with disease. Without fear, he worked for many years among sick people, saving many lives without falling ill himself. Similarly, an enlightened person can mingle at all levels of society, able to help them without being influenced by them. There is a Chinese proverb, if you find yourself on a pirate ship, it is best to become a pirate. The way of enlightened people is somewhat like this. Finding themselves on a pirate ship, they will become like pirates and gain their trust. Eventually they will turn those pirates into good people. That's a very difficult task. I think here also of the story that is told of the sixth ancestor, Wei Nung, that that after he had um uh, l- he left the the fifth an- ancestor um after his awakening there in the in the in the monastery uh he spent many years living with hunters years and years um uh, refining and deepening his understanding and um said that when when the hunters uh, cooked up their food he would um, he would pick out the vegetables from the stew but uh, ultimately our, our practice needs to be able to be applied wherever we are whatever circumstances we're in whether on a pirate ship or in a band of 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 rough hunters can we can we bring our realization to those those situations and and transform the situation Shingen continues people of outstanding ability are often very imposing and assertive and take a proud stance Instead of adapting to others, they typically want others to become like them. Theirs is the way of opposition and intimidation. Uh, very talented people, very, people who have achieved a lot, often also uh, very um, strongly need to um, tell people about those achievements and uh, express their, their opinions and their thoughts. and if there is if there is this compulsion uh, you can be sure that there's there's a shadow side to that this um need to be affirmed in some way because there's a secret um feeling of lack or or um imperfection there On the other hand, enlightened people are very ordinary and will adapt to other people's situations, mingling freely without hindrance. Through their way of being, they gain other people's trust and are thus able to help them, not through indoctrination, but by touching their hearts. People often encounter and accept the Dharma that way. So this way of interacting with people is likened to light which is so pure, no dust motes can be seen. Instead of indoctrinating people, one should move them and let them be touched by you. If the conditions are right, they will come to the Dharma by themselves. This is a very, a very important point. Things don't change by winning an argument. They, they change when people's hearts open, when they soften, when they, they see the possibility, uh, often in another person, of a different way of being in the world. And this is ra- why the work that we do here on the mat is so important. that we do this work of, of inner transformation, of uh, breaking down our own inner walls, defensive walls, barriers. When we, when we do this work, we, we are working for peace, working for reconciliation of course it's not just to do the inner work one has to then return and and mingle wherever we're whether our karma wherever our karma takes us but this this work this inner work is essential It is a matter that if we do lower our our own defenses and and really um, drop our our tight hold on our sense of self then uh, others will f- feel able to do the same they will they will sense the the that that person they're dealing with is not um, a threat and that that person is not trying to sell them something it's one of the things I think that really attracted me to Zen is that um, I mean generally in Buddhism there's no proselytizing but this real sense that um, I was not being being um, sold anything, and really, Zen doesn't have anything to give us. It, it, it say it it equips us to engage in a process of letting go lightening our load so this this passage really we can sum it up by saying um, we 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 discipline our mind in order to to cultivate uh, wisdom and and genuine compassion and in order to be able to uh, enter the marketplace with helping hands. To be able to enter that marketplace um, and be able to go through it without being warped by it. going to finish with um, returning to our main text and just finish with a another passage this one without too much comment because we go through these they become becomes more understandable what Hongjo's is um, getting at and um, this one mainly just um, speaks for itself Um, the, The title of this one is With Total Trust, Roam and Play in Samadhi. Empty and desireless, cold and thin, simple and genuine. This is how to strike down and fold up the remaining habits of many lives. It's a beautiful image of our, of our habits being like tents that we can strike and fold up. Not permanent dwelling places, even though they can seem that way. When the stains from old habits are exhausted, the original light appears blazing through your skull not admitting any other matters. Vast and spacious, like sky and water merging during autumn, like snow and moon having the same colour, this field is without boundary, beyond direction, magnificently one entity without edge or seam. Further, when you turn within and drop off everything completely, realisation occurs. Right at the time of entirely dropping off, deliberation and discussion are 1,000 or 10,000 miles away. Still no principle is discernible. So what could there be to point to or explain? People with the bottom of the bucket fallen out immediately find total trust. People with the bottom of the bucket fallen out are people whose who's all their comp- um, preconceptions and opinions have, have, have suddenly dropped away so the bottom of, bottom of the bucket is is wide open so such people immediately find total trust imagine what it'd be like to live in a state of, of total trust So we are told simply to realize mutual response and explore mutual response, then turn around and enter the world. So we don't just stay in our our wonderful um, state of enlightenment. We turn around and enter the world. Roam and play in samadhi. the the samadhi of of, um, the practice that Hongzhou is teaching, Silent Illumination, is said to be the the great samadhi, a samadhi in which everything can be seen clearly, not a samadhi of of, um, everything disappearing. Every detail clearly appears before you. Sound and form, echo and shadow happen instantly without leaving traces. The outside and myself do not dominate each other, only because no perceiving of objects comes between us. Only this non-perceiving encloses the empty space of the Dharma realm's majestic majestic 10,000 forms. People with the original face should embody and fully investigate the field without neglecting a single fragment. And we'll stop now this, this uh, Taisho with this final instruction from Master Hongzhou. People with the original face should embody and fully investigate the field without neglecting a single fragment. We'll stop here and recite the four last.